Hey, welcome to the Excellent Pastor Podcast. My name is Jason, and today we're going to be talking about how to increase your value as a leader. And I'm excited about this podcast because it's a little different than some of the other podcasts that we do. Recently at our church, we had what we call our leadership DNA meeting. This is something we do three to four times a year where we get together all of the the leaders in our church that we define leader as like anybody who has people under them on a team, anybody who leads a team. We invite them to, to come to this leadership DNA meeting, and it gives me a chance to share my heart, share some vision, share some leadership principles. And so the audio you're going to be hearing today is from that meeting. We just took a recorder, sat it down on the table in front of me. So it's not as clear as what you're hearing right now, but it's still pretty clear. I think you're going to, to like it. And we just talked about how do you increase your value as a leader? And the challenge that all of us face in leadership is that usually what got us to where we are, our talent, our availability, uh, our relationships, whatever it is, is usually not the thing that we need to do in order to go up or to increase our influence or our ability or our potential. That that you could maybe say it like this, that usually the talent that got us where we are is the asset that keeps us from where we need to go. And so we just talked about that using a story of uh, King David. And so what I would love to do is listen to this podcast and maybe send this, share this to some of your team, volunteer leaders, some of your staff. But if you would like to teach it yourself, I would really love that because I think coming from you, from your heart to your team would be great. And I would love to just send you the notes to this uh, free. Uh, If you would love to have the notes to this talk and so you can teach it to your team or use it for yourself, it's really easy. Just text the word script, S-C-R-I-P-T, script to the number 94090 script to the number 94090 we call these leadership scripts around here just those devotionals outlines leadership bible-based principles and so i'd love to send that to you it's free if you text that word script to 94090 i'm just going to ask for your email address and then uh that that script will get sent to you those notes will get sent to you i'd love for you to use these to teach your team and to use in any way that you uh, you think would be beneficial. So, uh, how to increase your value as a leader? I think you're going to like it. Our podcast today is sponsored by FaithTeams.com. FaithTeams is a web-based church management software system that's got all the features that you've come to expect that your church needs in a database management system. But what's great about Faith Teams is it's priced. It really is priced uh, at a level that any church can afford it. Um, it's it's perfect for small, mid-sized churches. I've talked to Brian and the team over there. They give me a chance to look through the, the software, and it really is great. It's got all the stuff you'd expect, attendance tracking, kids check-in, volunteer scheduling, uh, guest follow-up that's automated, giving, text-to-give, email, all, all that stuff that, that you're looking for. And uh, it's all in one system at a price that makes sense. So they do have a 14-day free trial. You can try out the whole thing before you pay anything. Just go to faithteams.com or click the link in in the description of this podcast. And make sure you mention Excellent Pastor when you're signing up for that free trial so they'll know that uh, that we sent you. Again, that's faithteams.com. Let's get to the podcast. And we're going to read four verses together from 2 Samuel 18. And in this this section that we're going to read, the reason it's so important for what we're going to learn today is because David was known as a warrior. David was known as a fighter. What made David so famous was that he killed Goliath, his greatest victory 
You know, the thing that people said about him the most was the ability to fight. They sang songs about him. The king before David, Saul, they had a song that said Saul has killed thousand, a thousand. David has killed 10,000. So in essence, they're saying David is 10 times the warrior that the last guy was. So David is known for his ability to fight. It's what made people love him. It's what made him famous. And, and God is what made him king, but it's really that moment that kind of elevated him to get that opportunity. Now, you have something similar to David that makes you uh, known or makes you valuable or what people say about you. They're a great singer. They're a great teacher. They're so hardworking. They're so charismatic. They're so talented. Uh, they're so caring. There, there is something that is a quality about you that, that people say. And, and it, is, it is your tag. It's your name tag, if you will, or it's your label. And, and the reason that you're here in a leadership meeting is because most of the time you get elevated to leadership because of that talent or because of that gift. So you start out as a volunteer or you know, you're, you're serving in some capacity, you're helping in some capacity, Somebody who is over you sees something in you and says, oh, they're so good at decorating or they're so good at event planning or they're so good at making that chord chart or playing the piano or whatever it is. There's something that you're really good at and that talent begins to make room for you and elevate you. So then you have a little more responsibility and then you have a little bit more responsibility and then you have a little more responsibility. And that's what happens to David is that David's talent and his quality and his fame, you know, what kind of made him known, kept elevating him with God's help to where he was a leader. But the, but the four verses we're going to read today, we're going to see how David has to make a, a huge shift in the way that he leads and not be able to depend on his talent or, or his quality that, that got him to where he was. Okay, so this is 2 Samuel 18. And we're going to read 1, 2, 3, and 4, all right? 1, 2, 3, and 4. We'll read it, and then we'll work back through it, okay? So this is what it says. It says, David, now mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. Now remember, just to give you a little context, he's on the run. He's got somewhere between like 600 and 800 guys helping him, uh, men, soldiers helping him. And so he, but he's on the run, all right? And so they're kind of hiding out, maybe a little demoralized, maybe ready to fight, whatever it is. And it says, David mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. He sent the troops out in three groups, placing one under Joab, one under Joab's brother, and one under uh, Ittai, the man from Gath. And the king told his troops, I'm going out with you. But his men objected strongly. You must not go, they urged. If we have to turn and run, And even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be looking only for you. You are worth 10,000 of us. If you happen to have a Bible or a way to mark that, that's a good one to line right there, underline. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it is better that you stay here in the town and send, and if you want to underline this statement too, help if we need it. You're worth 10,000 of us. It's better if you stay here in the town and send help if we need it. Last verse, for four. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it, David answered. So he stood alongside the gate of the town as all the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and of thousands. I want to give you five, five things, 
five qualities, if you will, five qualities that increase your value as a leader. Or you could say even determine your value as a leader. And we see all five of them just in these four verses. Okay? And the first one is the ability to inspire. I'm going to keep saying this throughout this talk, but your talent is not your greatest asset. Your ability to get things done is not your greatest value. These five things that we're going to be talking about are what determines your value and increases your value as a leader. Number one is your ability to inspire. Look at the very first verse that we read. It says, David mustered the men who were with him. David was able to either one-on-one sitting by the fire or up in front of a group or whatever it was, David was able to raise the morale of the people following him. David was able to inspire them in some way, make them more courageous in some way. David was able to do that. That's what it says. So we don't know the exact context of what was happening. However he did it, David was able to get these guys to give their best effort, to be inspired, to keep their head up. And if you're going to be a leader, at some level, you've got to be able to inspire people. You don't have to be the most charismatic person ever. You don't have to be the most inspirational person ever. But at some level, you have to be able to to inspire. You have to. Men were willing to go to battle for David. Even when he was on the run and he didn't have his quote-unquote title, people still wanted to follow him and fight for him. That's the quality of a leader. You've got to be able at some level to get somebody to be excited, to get somebody to commit, to get somebody to up up their game, which means you're not going to be able to be pessimistic, negative, cynical. Nobody wants to follow a leader who isn't that excited about what you're asking the person to do. You've got to believe in what it is that you're asking somebody to do. That is the ability to inspire. And, you know, over the years, one of the, there's, you know, there's jokes around the church that if, if Pastor Jason ever asks you to go to breakfast, be careful. Um, because if I can ever get you across Cracker Barrel's table with a cup of coffee in your hand after a good breakfast, I'm about to ask something big. And I've just learned over the years that there are certain settings and certain times and certain ways to inspire people. And that's the way that Joe ended up joining the staff. And that's the way Katie ended up joining the staff and just kind of looking around the table at different ones. Jono and I are there occasionally. You know, it's just like the ability to, to inspire people. And so here's the challenge for point number one. Is anyone following you? Is anyone following you? You can call yourself a leader, you can give yourself a title, but at the end of the day, leadership is influence. And if no one's following you, you're not a leader. So if you're the leader of a ministry, but you have no one on your team, you're not actually leading a ministry. You're just doing a task. You're just doing a job. Right? Does that make sense to everybody? So David had the ability to inspire. We're not talking about how good he is with a sword. We're not talking about how many guys he can kill. This is just David, the encourager. David the motivator, David the guy who's inspired. So, so for everyone in the room today, you, you, you're a leader. You've got a team. You've got people that you are trying to lead. And I want to challenge you to develop and to practice the skill of inspiring people. Being more inspirational, being more 
uh, motivational and inspiring the people around you. Because that was one of the qualities that made David valuable here. All right, let me give you the next one. Number two, what increases the value of a leader? The ability to build a team. (coughs) The ability to structure or build a team. Still in verse one, it says he mustered the men who were with him. And then the next part says he appointed generals and captains to lead them. He appointed generals and captains to lead them. It's easy to be a solo superstar, but at some point a leader is only as strong as the team that they can build. You've got to be able to build a team, structure a team. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it is necessary if you want to lead. If you don't build or structure a team, you're not a leader. You're a doer. You're not a king. You're a warrior. You're not a worship pastor. You're a singer. Does that make sense to everybody? You're not a director of first impressions. You're just a nice person who says hey to people. right? A leader builds a team. A leader adds, adds structure. And so right in this very first verse, we see that David knows if we're going to make any progress, if we're going to do anything that really, if we're going to win this battle, we can't just motivate everybody and say, go for it. We motivate them, but then we got to structure this thing. And all throughout the Bible, we see structure. You know, Moses has to structure. Even Jesus has the disciples. And, and then a breakdown of those disciples, we see the New Testament church appointing disciples and apostles and leaders. That there has to be some sense of organization. And so as you look at your team, as you think about the people that you lead, is there any structure to it? Is there any organization to it? Do the people on your team know who they need to report to? Do, do the people on your team know who they go or where they go when they need help? Have you empowered someone and elevated them inside the system of your team? Have you spotted talent and trained and developed somebody and then put them in a leadership role the way that someone gave you the opportunity to do that? Leadership requires structure at some level. It's fine for all of it to get together and have a good time. It's fine to motivate everybody and say, let's go, rah, rah, we can do this. But at some point, there's got to be a person in charge. There's got to be a person who gets it organized. There's got to be a person who schedules it. There's got to be a person who recruits people. There's got to be some structure, okay? And so let me give you a challenge for number two. Here's our challenge for number two. Has anyone on my team elevated their leadership Because I've empowered them. In essence, what I'm saying is, has anyone on my team started out as just a volunteer, but we've been able to recognize ability and talent, invest and pour into them, and they are now higher up in the org chart or in the structure of the team than they were when they started? Or the alternative to that is, I keep recruiting people, but it's just me at the top and then everybody else. Because that's not structured. All right, let me give you number three. We're talking about the value of a leader. How do you increase your value as a leader? What makes a leader valuable? Number three is the willingness to do the work. So the first two are about abilities. These next two I'm going to give you are about willingness. So number three is the willingness to do the work. Look at verse two. We read it together. He sent the troops out in three groups. There's some more structure. And then at the very end of verse 2, the king told his troops, 
I'm going out with you. In other words, David's like, give me a sword. This is where I thrive. I'm ready to fight. Let's do this thing. When's church cleanup day? Nobody scrubs a toilet like me. When are we organizing that closet? I'm a beast with an organization system. Right? When, when, what time do we unlock the church? What time does the truck get unloaded? I'm going to be here because I'm a leader and I would never ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. That is leadership. That's leadership. And all the training and delegation and empowering of people and the structure and the titles, a leader can't lose the desire and willingness to do what has to be done. I'm never too good or too important to do what needs to be done. Just because we're at a leadership DNA meeting, just because you know we're at a higher level than other people, doesn't mean that there is any job that needs to be done that is beneath. That's beneath me. I remember uh, three or four years ago, my, my math is a little hazy on the timeline, but I remember we were having our Christmas Eve or Christmas celebration services. And Andrea and I were going to get in the car after church and we were going to drive all the way to Georgia to, to get to our family. And, uh, and so these were evening services. We were going to get there late. And I remember, uh, I don't know, remember the exact details, but I remember some kid in the children's ministry threw up in the bathroom in the old hall over here. Threw up and there was just throw up everywhere. And by the time we realized, pretty much everybody had left. It was like me and one of our staff members who's no longer with us, not because of this story, but anyway. <laughs> so it was like me, Andrea's already in the car, got the kids loaded up, and I think I was wearing like a nice outfit because it was Christmas. I don't remember, you know, it was like, if I remember correctly, having like some dress pants or whatever, and there's just throw up all in the floor. And I say to this other, this other guy who's with me, I'm like, do we have a mop? It's just me and him. I said, do we have a mop? And we went and found a mop. And him and I spent the next however long it was, Andrea's like calling, like, we're in the car, let's go, we got to get on the road. And I, I said, somebody's got to mop this up. Right. Everybody's gone. You know, somebody's got to mop this up. And so him and I, uh, a lot me, not a ton him, get the mop and spend the rest of that time before we are able to lock up the church and get on the road and go to Christmas, mopping up this throw up from some kid. Why did we do that? Because we're leaders. Leaders don't get to say, oh, I'm a leader. I don't mop that up. Leaders say, I'm a leader. It needs to be done. I'm going to do it. Leaders don't say, oh, I'm a leader. I don't have to get here early. Leaders say, I'm getting here early. Oh, I'm a leader. I don't have to stay here late. No, leaders stay late. We are willing to do whatever needs to be done. And so the higher you climb a chart, the higher you get on a team, the title that you get or whatever it is, the more power or influence that's given to you. It's not an excuse to do less. It's not an excuse to do less. The greatest leaders are willing to do whatever needs to be done. So here's our challenge for number three. Challenge for number three is, is there something I used to be willing to do when I was hungry and desperate that I feel I'm too good to do now? Is there something I used to be willing to do when I was hungry and desperate, but I feel like I'm too good for it now? If there's a little check in your heart, if there's a little check in your gut right there, it may be that you've misunderstood leadership and that you thought leadership was about detaching 
And it's really about get, jumping in more. And unless you are ready to do that, that's the higher you go, the more willing you have to be to do whatever it takes. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, let me give you number four. Talking about a leader's value, what makes a leader more valuable? How do you grow your value as a leader? Number four is the willingness to let someone else do the work. So we've talked about one side of the coin. Let's talk about the other side of the coin. A leader says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. But the value of a leader is also determined by your willingness to let someone else do what needs to be done. So David says, I'm the best. So I'm a better soldier than every single one of y'all. Give me a sword because I can do better on the battlefield than any of y'all. Right. That's how I got to this place. Remember, I killed a guy named Goliath. He's reminding him, you know, talking trash. I'm better than all of y'all. And look at what his leaders say in verse three. But his men objected strongly. You cannot go. You must not go. If we have to turn and run, even if half of us die, it will make no difference. They'll be looking only for you. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it's better that you stay here in the town and send help if we need it. This is so important. If we had time, I would talk about this point only the whole morning, okay? When when a leader doesn't understand their value, their talent becomes their liability. David had to be reminded that as a soldier, he could only kill one enemy at a time. But as the leader and the king, he could kill 10,000 soldiers at a time. That's the power of leadership and influence. David the soldier can only kill one at a time. David the king can kill 10,000 at a time because he's over 10,000 troops. If David wants to be the soldier, he can make a difference one at a time. And there may be a season where that's necessary. But what his people are saying to him is, David, we don't need David the soldier right now. We need David the king right now. And so I just drilled into you on point three that you got to be willing to do what it takes, do what it takes, do what it takes, do what it takes, do what it takes. That has to be in your heart as a leader. If required, Jono needs to be willing to get in that truck every single morning for the next 25 years and get that equipment off, if that's what it takes. But what I see happen in so many leaders, because it's just hard, I'll give you an example for me in just a second, but what I see happen in so many leaders is they're never willing to get out of the truck. They're never willing to not go fight. They're never willing to, to, to not sing the solo. They're never willing to, to schedule somebody else because they think that nobody can hold babies better than they can hold babies, or nobody can teach that better than they can teach that, or nobody can lead the group like they can lead the group. Or, or maybe it's not they believe in themselves so much talent-wise. Maybe they believe that they're inconveniencing someone else. I could never ask them to get here early. I'll just get here early. I'm the leader. I could never ask them to stay late. You know what? I'll just stay late. I'm the leader. That's great that you're willing. That's required for a leader. But you'll never be able to build a team, raise people up, empower people if you're also not willing to say somebody else has to do this. Somebody else needs to do this. Because like Amber said earlier, what happens when you have to take six weeks off because you're having a baby? Right. You better have raised somebody up. Well, you're not going to be able to raise somebody up if you're not willing to let somebody else go fight the battles. And listen, you would think that this would be so easy. Oh, I can't wait till I'm the leader and I just, just hand stuff off. The reason you're a leader is because you were great at something. And so there's this massive insecurity. It's like, well, the way we got the church to where it is is because I did everything. And now I'm having to hand stuff off. 
And and most every leader I've ever met believes they could do it better than somebody else that they're asking to do it. It's harder to let somebody else do it. It's so much easier to just get it done yourself. And so right now in our church, you know, we've got two locations. We've, we've grown now to 500 people, you know, plus, and we've got a staff, and then that staff has some staff. And so I'm constantly feeling a little bit disconnected. I'm constantly feeling like I don't know. You know, I walked in uh, a couple of Thursday nights ago, and there was somebody singing on the stage, and I, I didn't even know who they were. I'd never met them before. And I said to Pastor Joe, who is that? And they had already been coming for several weeks, audit, gone through launch, auditioned, and were on the worship team. You th- that made me feel incredibly insecure. But, requi- but leadership requires me to build a team and to build a structure and an organization that allows that person to get on the worship team. Because if she can't get on the worship team until she goes through me, it's gonna, she's never going to get there. Because right. I'd never met her before. Does that make sense? We've got men's breakfast. I used to teach those and recruit the person to make the eggs. I have nothing to do with them anymore. I could give you all these examples. And, and for a cynical person, they would say, oh, well, that must be nice. I mean, you don't have to do anything. It drives me crazy. Right. I want to do it. Kim and I talk about it all the time. You know, it's like, well, do you want to do this or do you not? It's like, I really want to. But if we're going to grow and get where we got to go, I've got to be willing to let Pastor Joe do it. Mm-hmm. Pastor Joe's got to be willing to let Brent's do it. Brent's has got to be willing to let Randy do it. Does that make sense? We will be here to do whatever needs to be done. But at some point, if we're going to grow this thing, we've got to be willing to let someone else do it because someone gave us a chance. And that's how we developed the ability to be a leader. So the hardest thing for the person who's always been the best singer to do is to hand off the songs. Jesse just got Celebrate Recovery certified. The hardest thing Jesse will have to do is not... Uh, is not do more. The hardest thing she'll ever have to do is do less mm-hmm. because she got this thing certified. She grew it to 40 people. She, rec- she knows all the leaders firsthand. What is she going to do when the leader recruits the next leader? That's when it, you struggle. And that's where most guys stop. That's where most guys stop. Most people stop is because we're not willing to let somebody else. And David's men say, you are worth 10,000 doers. As a leader, you're worth 10,000 soldiers. So let us go do it and then look at what they say. If we need help, we'll ask. If I don't know how to do that, I'll ask you and then you can help me. But if you keep not letting me do it because you're worried I don't know how to do it, we're not going to win this war. And so let us go because your value is way more valuable than a soldier. And then if we need help, we'll ask you. So let me give you a challenge for number four. Do I have to be the hero or do I trust my team? Do I have to be the hero or do I trust my team? It's a really hard question and don't feel bad if the answer is, I don't know that I trust my team. Trust is built and earned and it just takes time. Does that make sense? Okay, let me give you one more. I could talk about that point all day. It's a big one. So I gave you two. The first two were about ability. The second two were about willingness. Let me give you one more. How do you increase your value as a leader? What makes a leader valuable? Number five, the wisdom to know where to be. The wisdom to know where to be. Look at the last verse, verse four. 
It says, if you think that's the best plan, David says, just even the humility to listen to his team, I'll do it. So look at what David did. He stood alongside the gate of the town as all the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and thousands. This is so important. Because what you'll find as you, uh, as you delegate, what you'll find as you structure and build a team, what you'll find as you begin to inspire people is that your greatest value as a leader is your visibility to your team. It's your availability and your visibility. So David wants to be a soldier because that's what he knows. His, his men say, you're, you're 10,000 times more valuable than a soldier. And so David goes and stands by the gate and watch what he does. Every one of those soldiers knows the legend of David. That's the guy that killed Goliath. That's the guy who wins battles. That's the guy they sing songs about. And so every one of those 18, 16, 21-year-old soldiers is watching out, walking out. They see 35-year-old David over there, and he's standing by the gate. He's making eye contact with his guys. He's beating his chest. He's giving them a thumbs up. And that, that moment of eye contact, chest bumping, thumbs up, is more valuable to the army than him grabbing a sword. Does that make sense to everybody? Because a great leader recognizes where they need to be and when they need to be there. The wisdom to know what meeting I need to show up to and what meeting I don't need to show up to. The meeting I need to have and the meeting I don't need to have. The funeral that I need to go to and the funeral that I don't need to go to. The hospital visit that I need to make and the hospital visit that I don't need to make. The Thursday night service that I need to come to and the Thursday night service that I don't need to come to. The rehearsal that I need to come to and the rehearsal that I don't need to come to. The wisdom to know where to be. Just because I'm not quote unquote doing doesn't mean I don't have a job. A leader's presence is powerful. A leader's presence is powerful. Brian Houston, who pastors Hillsong, golly, I don't know now, like 90 campuses across five continents or something crazy, Hillsong Church. They're amazing. He says a great leader knows when they need to be in the room and when they don't need to be in the room. Because sometimes you need to be in the room because your team needs to be inspired in these direction. Other times, if you're in the room, you stunt the growth of the team. Right. Because when I'm in the room, everybody in the room looks at me. What do you think, Jason? What should we do, Jason? But if I'm not there, they got to look to somebody else. Somebody else has to step up in the leadership. Okay? So if you lead the first impression team, or if you lead the sanctuary team, auditorium team, or you lead... Uh, the check-in, or you lead a kid's department, or the care ministry, or whatever it is, you're learning to delegate, you're learning to empower other people. What's going to make you most valuable is where you are present. Is there somebody on your team who needs a coffee? That coffee with that person on your team is way more valuable than you handing somebody a, a worship guide, sermon guide. Now, it may be Christmas Eve and everyone on your team declines because nobody can hand out sermon guides and a leader says I'm willing to do what needs to be done so I'm going to be there Mm -hmm. and on that day that's where your presence was most valuable but but then there are other times where it's like they've got that my presence needs to be over here that's where I need to be because my presence is powerful and a leader learns where to be so this is all about increasing your value 
just because you were the most talented person 18 months ago and you climbed the ladder because they said nobody does it like Allie, nobody organizes like Brad, nobody's got muscles like Dakota, nobody sings a song like Andrea, nobody edits a video like Matthew, that, that's what got you to where you are, but that's not what makes you valuable as a leader. What makes you valuable as a leader is your ability to build a team, your ability to inspire people, your willingness to do whatever it takes, your willingness to let somebody else do it, and then the wisdom to know where you need to be. So let me give you one more challenge. Challenge number five. Where will my presence add the most value in this season? Where will my presence add the most value in this season? And so as a leader... It's not your talent that is your greatest asset. That's not your greatest asset. It's valuable. We appreciate it. We need it. It's your ability to build a team, to inspire a team, to delegate to your team, and to know where you need to be. 